Thank you for joining the Dark Light Podcast. Here at the Dark Light Podcast, you will find information about the absolute truth. Hang on tight as we go to discover the light in the darkness. So, how do you discuss the elements of truth without stepping on toes of well-meaning people, of those who think they know the truth? Stepping on the toes of those who are sure that they must be right because their point of view is the only point of view which makes any sense to them personally. This is the problem that all theologians, philosophers, mystics, anyone who has gotten off the beaten path and tried to teach, educate, enlighten others, this is the dilemma and the problem that they always face. They first are rejected, then later they're ridiculed, and then over time, their positions are accepted and then celebrated as if they were always considered good and right and true. This evolutionary model of how people function in the world is repeated over and over again on so many different levels that we must stop and take a breath and realize that all new information, all truth which has previously been ignored, discarded, overlooked when brought to the surface will rattle the cages of the intelligentsia. It will disturb the leadership, the kings, the priests, those in charge will fume and roar like a caged lion at the idea that a lonely, small, obscure voice crying in the wilderness might actually be right. This scenario has occurred time and time again throughout history. And time and time again, we as people, as societies, as organizations, as religious bodies have ignored the ramblings, the teachings, the 
call to repentance, the warnings. After all, they beheaded John the Baptist. This is typical of how we silence the minority. We silence the one who could actually bring us salvation. We ignore and belittle the one who in fact has the truth. It is very typical throughout history and even in this day and age that those who proclaim the truth are ignored, ridiculed, silenced, erased, deplatformed. Why is that? Why is human nature so vile? Why do we allow ourselves to dismantle the simple, the pure, the true? Why can't we take ourselves out of our little cocoons, our little boxes, and realize that the truth, although hidden, is knowable. When Jesus the Christ spoke in parables, he often told stories which included lost items, items which were hidden, things that had to be dug up, The pearl of great price comes to mind. The story where a man found a great treasure buried in a plot of land that he was working on that he did not own. And so he reburied the treasure and sold everything he had so that he would buy that piece of land knowing that the great treasure was hidden in that plot of dirt, in that seemingly meaningless pile of rocks, debris, and garbage, hidden in the ground was the pearl of great price. It is important for us to recognize the significance of these ideas that are brought to us by parables and stories which have come to us over millennia, thousands of years, trying to teach us the primordial lesson that not everything is as it actually appears. Never judge a book by its cover. We must take the time to discover the reality of God. What does God do 
What does he look like? Why do we say God is a he? What is it about the model of God that we accept or we reject without carefully studying the parameters laid down for the concept of God? It is extremely important that we discover the meaning and the aspect, the parameters surrounding the concepts that we actually hold dear. To the law and to the testimony, rule number one. But this rule is meaningless if we do not understand what the law and the testimony actually mean. It's interesting that Jesus the Christ, when asked by his disciples to show us the Father, Jesus emphatically said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But the disciples kept asking, just show us the Father. And Jesus, almost in anger, said, Have I not been with you for this long? And you still ask me to show you the Father? As if to say, Are you that ignorant, that stupid, that blind that you can't see that I am the Father? This realization that Jesus the Christ is the Father, is the one God. This realization must be accepted if we are to gain eternal life. Immortality, the gift, the free gift given by God to all those who believe in the truth, as it is in Jesus the Christ. That is the essence for which we seek it is imperative that we make a distinction between the one God and all other gods, all other concepts of God. It's one thing to say that we believe in God, that in God we trust. But at the same time, it's an entirely different thing to know that the model of the God that we believe in is the one true model of God. It's easy for us to ignore the precise details which are required for salvation the exact 
process whereby we might be saved. The ideas behind immortality and what immortality, eternal life, consists of. It is extremely important that we get that right. If we ignore the details and we ignore the facts as laid down in the Word of God itself, we lose the opportunity to gain eternal life. All societies, all cultures, all philosophies have promoted some form of righteous, good living. It is not surprising that in all types of societies we have held up a moral standard. We are given a set of rules that are supposed to be followed to a greater or lesser degree. It is this standard that must be evaluated. It is the standard of truth that must be understood. Without understanding where the truth comes from and what the truth looks like, we run the risk of throwing the truth away in spite of the fact that we think we have found the truth. It is very important that we take the time to separate the facts from the fiction. Why do we so easily allow our minds to wander into ideas that have no substance, no value, no foundation in the truth itself? There are two ways to look at the Bible, the Word of God, the statements of Jesus the Christ, the ideas presented by the prophets, the apostles, the pre-Christian era, the post-Christian era, the era in which we live today where Christianity is mixed with a pot of varied philosophies that are all churned up together as if we get to pick the parts we like and the pieces that we think are good and then we get to discard all the other pieces that we think are bad. The standard for truth must be understood. It's one thing to live a good life.
to be nice to your neighbor, to even love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment. It is one thing to be a good person, but is entirely another thing to be a follower of the truth. We talk about living a good life, philosophies which lend themselves to understanding the world in which we live, creating ethical, moral, legal areas where we can put up our fences and guide those who follow us on a path of perceived goodness. That's what churches do. That's what religions do. They aspire to inspire people to be good. They pontificate about goodness all the while ignoring the source of truth itself. It has become very common for those who pretend to be teachers and educators to be able to philosophize and discuss ideas apart from the basic foundational system which holds the truth. It's as if the truth really doesn't exist and what we have to do is take a montage of ideas and then sift them through our man-made sieve and see what ends up in the soup. And then we pretend as if somehow that relativism is the truth. So that truth is no longer absolute. Truth no longer applies to each and every one of us. Our truth becomes different from another's truth. And so we live in a world, a society of relative truth. And as long as we don't step on somebody's toes, we just get by. We just live our life in the shadows, hoping that we don't get a speeding ticket, hoping that we don't get pulled over by the next cop that forgot to have coffee for breakfast and woke up on the wrong side of the bed. We view all law and order as subjugated by our own personal beliefs, our own personal opinions, to the point that we no longer believe that law and order exists. It's only relative to whether I think I broke the law. It's only relative to can I drive faster than the police officer that's chasing me? 
I don't need to pull over for him. He's just a police officer. And we've almost gotten to the point that we accept that idea of law enforcement, which is not law enforcement at all. It's just merely our wishes against another person's ideal wishes. It's as if the Constitution, in whatever form it takes, whether it's the state constitution, the federal constitution, or some other written document that we adhere to, maybe our religious dogmas, our belief systems created by our church systems, created by our Christian fellowship groups, the doctrines that we so proudly say we believe in but never follow. Whatever constitution we adhere to, it's as if it doesn't exist anymore because it's so relative to what we are currently doing and thinking as to be able to sidestep, ignore, obfuscate, destroy the law itself. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We must determine what constitutes the word of God. What constitutes the absolute truth. Without knowing what makes up the absolute truth, we can never know and understand and appreciate immortality. Immortality, the gift of eternal life, is the quest of every sincere believer. It is the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. We must find that truth. We must hold on to that truth. And we must preach and spread the good news of that truth, the gospel of Jesus the Christ. Remember that if you want to know the truth, you will know the truth. You have been listening to The Dark Light. Thank you for joining us. Please like, subscribe, and tell your friends about The Dark Light Podcast. We would love to have you here each and every day to discover the light in the darkness. Thank you.